helped defend the church by becoming a supporter of Family Life International. Family Life International presents Father Nicholas Grace of the Institute of the Incarnate Word. To learn more about the Institute, go to www.ive.org. That's a very difficult gospel, but we might understand a little bit with the talk we're going to have today, which is the creed, the part which says, he suffered under Pontius Pilate. Who is this Pontius Pilate? Certainly, he's a weak man. And like other weak men, he always wants to keep everybody happy. Pilate wanted to keep the priests and the Jewish mob happy. He wanted to keep his wife happy. He wanted to keep Herod and his flunkies and flatterers happy. He really wanted to keep Caesar happy. And he even wanted to keep Jesus Christ happy. He wanted to set him free. But Pilate, like most morally weak people who want to keep everybody happy, ended up keeping nobody happy. After he'd finished in Judea, Palestine, the Jews went to Rome to complain about his bad governance. His career finished in shame. Us Christians, from then until now, until eternity, we condemn him in the creed. That leads me to another question, though. Regards the creed, of all the villains who were involved in the sufferings of our Lord, who made him suffer, why is Pilate mentioned? Why isn't it Caiaphas, the high priest, or Judas, the traitor, that's mentioned? No, no, it's Pilate. The answer here comes from the great British priest and teacher, Monsignor Ronald Knox, 20th century. He says that by naming Pilate in the creed, the church anchors down to a definitive moment in history, the lives and times of our Lord. You see, Jesus Christ isn't an imaginary person. He's not a mythological person. He's not Zeus or Hercules or Peter Pan. Jesus Christ was a carpenter. He lived in Palestine. He lived during the reign of Emperor Tiberius. That's an emperor who reigned, started to reign, 753 years after the foundation of Rome. And this Jesus certainly died between the years 26 and 36 AD. How do we know that? Because it just so happens that at that exact moment in history, the start to the finish was that governance of a certain Pontius Pilate. Fact. Official. But this leads me to another question. Why did God choose this particular moment and not another moment in history to manifest himself, to spread throughout the world his message? It's a fair question. 
The answer is this. And here we have to enter into a bit of history. I know some of us here like history. 300 years before our Lord was born, before he came to this world, there was a king in Macedonia who also ruled the Greeks and all their territories, Alexander. Now this young man at 21 conquered all the Near East, all of Asia, from as far as from Egypt to India, with Iran, Iraq, Turkey, all these countries thrown in. What's the result of that? What does that mean? It means that all the people in the East, all the people in Asia, are now able to communicate in one language, Greek. All these people that are so different are able to meet each other in one culture, Greek. But then something else happens. 150 years later, the Romans take control of everything. They extend the kingdom of Alexander. First, Mummius, general. He conquers Greece and all her territories. Then along comes a character called Scipio, Africanus. Why? Because he conquers Africa and Carthage. Then we have Pompey the Great, conquers Spain, Iberia. Then the famous Gaius Julius Caesar, he conquers Gaul, modern France. And then a wee boy is adopted by Caesar, a far, far, far cousin, Octavian. He becomes Caesar Augustus, and he introduces Pax Romana, peace into the world. Peace, though, brought about by brute Roman force. What's the result of all this? What we have is, from Portugal to Persia, peace, order, commerce, and fantastic roads which connect everything. What does this mean? It means that in the world, there's one worldwide government, Rome. One worldwide law, which everybody understands, Roman. One worldwide language by which everybody can communicate or be communicated to, Greek. Now do you get it? The perfect conditions for the spreading of one worldwide message. God's message. Christ's message. The message that we know as the gospel. That's God's providence at work. Marvelous. However, we can't stay with history all day. I know there's a few budding theologians out there. So one theological question, and it's this. Why or what significance theologically does this expression, he suffered under Pontius Pilate, have? What does it mean to us? How do we apply it to our times? This reflects that Catholics, Christians, are always going to suffer at the hands of at least one enemy. Pilate represents that enemy. That enemy is the world, or rather the worldly. What do I mean by the worldly? And here we'll understand the gospel. The worldly are those who either don't believe in God, or if they do, they don't bother with God or his world. 
In fact, they want to make his world theirs. They want to make his world a comfortable place where everything is efficiently run, where nobody has any discomfort or bother. Their motto is, live and let live. And that's what Pontius Pilate stood for. You see, Pontius Pilate didn't care if Jesus Christ didn't keep the Sabbath. He didn't care if he followed the law of Moses or not. He didn't care if he was the son of God or not. Pontius Pilate cared about maintaining the status quo. How do we know this? Because Pilate didn't dislike Jesus Christ. Jesus didn't give him anything to dislike him for. He didn't cause any trouble. He wasn't a political agitator, as some fools like to say. No, no. Jesus Christ didn't even say an impolite word about Caesar. In fact, when they asked Jesus about paying taxes to Rome, what did he say? Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. Yet, Pontius Pilate, in the name of the world and the worldly, crucified him. Crucified him for them and their mottos like live and let live, and we're not here for a long time, but a good time. Why? <laughs> I'm not saying crazy things here. It's simply because Jesus Christ, with his preaching and teaching, made them feel uncomfortable. You see, they wanted a comfortable, easy existence. But Jesus' teaching made them feel difficult. Something wasn't right. They wanted to stay centered on themselves, worrying only about their own needs. But Jesus' teaching made them think about the needs of others. They didn't want to hear about things like heaven or hell. But Jesus Christ, with his teaching, made it very clear the difference between prize and punishment. In a word, they wanted to silence the voice that shouted out, joy in the afterlife means a demanding existence in this life. Friends, I'll conclude with this. Jesus Christ then, and the Catholic Church now, was and is, will always be persecuted century after century because she, like he, will go on and on saying things which some people deem as uncomfortable. So our job is to ask the grace of our Blessed Mother Mary, the grace to be able to convince the world with joy, with sincerity, with their own lives, that things like discomfort, self-sacrifice, service, love of God, love of neighbor in this world will be far outweighed by God's love for us in that world. Christ suffered, so must we. This MP3 recording has been made available by Family Life International. Help us to make many more available in order to promote our Catholic faith. Go to www.familyandlife.org.uk and donate today. Mm -hmm.